The great thing about being an entrepreneur is that you're your own boss. You make your own rules. You can do whatever you want to do. The challenge of being an entrepreneur is that you're your own boss. You make your own rules and you can do whatever you want to do. And the problem can be sometimes you don't know what to do. In fact, you may be making mistakes right now in your business and don't even know that you're making mistakes and you don't even know how they're hurting you. So here's what I did. I went and made a list of the 13 most common mistakes I see in entrepreneurs every single day, and I'm going to share them with you and how to fix them completely for free. All you had to do is go to workonmygame.com. That's workonmygame.com. Put your email address in on that page, and I'm going to share with you the top 13 mistakes entrepreneurs make, why they make them, and how to fix them all in one place. Just go to workonmygame.com. I will tell you how to fix the biggest mistakes you may be making in your business right now and are not even aware that you're making them. And we're going to fix them all in the same spot. And this will take you less than 40 minutes. Go to workonmygame.com right now and let's fix the problems that you may not even know that you have. Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I send out a daily motivation text every single morning that is guaranteed to have you focused, sharp, and on point to start your day. And I promise you, you want to receive this message. All you have to do to join my text community is to text me at my number, 305-384-6894. Once you join, we'll tell you all your options for how often you can get text by us and all of that. Just text me at the number 305-384-6894 to get that daily motivation. You can no longer depend on the educational system to prepare you for what's going to happen in the real world, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. Because the educational system is designed to produce factory workers, it's designed to produce drones, people who show up, do what you're told, go home and come back the next day, do the same thing. Pretty exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. Dreolday.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Are you tired of risking your health with every sip of water that you take? And you are doing that if you're drinking tap water or plastic bottle water. So don't worry about any of that anymore because we got the perfect solution for you. Introducing AquaTrue, the ultimate water filter that guarantees you clean, filtered water every single time. Gone are the days of worrying about contaminants in your tap water because AquaTrue has your back. With its advanced filtration technology, it removes 99% of over a thousand contaminants. We're talking lead, mercury, even microplastics. Not only does AquaTrue keep you hydrated, but it also ensures that you stay healthy. Why drink water that could potentially harm your body when you can have peace of mind knowing that every drop you consume is pure and clean? So this fantastic feature that AquaTrue has is its sleek and compact design. Unlike those bulky and unattractive water filters, AquaTrue fits perfectly in any kitchen, saving you precious countertop space. So who says staying healthy can't be stylish? But hold on, let's address one more thing if we had to dig deep. Some users have noted that AquaTrue requires periodic filter replacements. But honestly, is that really a big deal when you consider the multitude of benefits it provides? I don't think so. 
So why wait? Take control of your water quality today and experience the wonders of AquaTrue. Not only will you be sipping on refreshing and clean water, but you'll also be safeguarding your health and the health of your family with every glorious gulp. Don't miss out on this life-changing opportunity. Order your AquaTrue now at workonyourgame.com slash AT for AquaTrue. Workonyourgame.com slash AT and drink confidently. AquaTrue cannot prevent you from becoming the superhero you've always dreamed of being, but it can keep your water superhero level clean. Again, that's workonyourgame.com slash AT. You're now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is, you can no longer afford to be lazy. Yes, it costs money to be lazy. You cannot afford to be lazy anymore. I'm going to tell you why. But before I do, let me remind everybody, I send out a text every day guaranteed to have you focus sharp and on point called the Daily Motivation. I send out one every week called the Monday Motivation. You can get these messages by being part of my text community by texting me at my number 305-384-6894. That number is down below in the description. Secondly, work on your game university. That is the only place where you can be coached directly by me. That is the only place I do any coaching. We have a four-part framework in our university based around mindset, strategy, systems, and accountability. You can go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. You can see all the details about what exactly the university entails. That is, the, again, a place where you can have me as your direct coach. That is the only way to have me as your direct coach. And the only way to join is to go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. You would schedule a time to get on a call with us. I'm telling you how it works. You schedule a time to get on a call with us. You cannot just join the university. It's not like a link where you just click a button and then you just join the university. We have to talk to anyone who's going to be a member of our university because we want to know exactly who we're talking to. And to be clear, we want you to know exactly who you're going to be working with. So you got to get on a call with us first. From there, if we feel like you'll be a good fit and we believe we can help you, we will tell you that. And we'll tell you how it works and where it goes from there. So again, workonyourgameuniversity.com, link in description. All that out the way, let's get into today's topic, which is you can no longer afford to be lazy. And I'm going to tell you where this actually came from. I wrote an article about this that came out in December, maybe mid-December 2023. I was in a Nordstrom rack store here in Miami. By the way, any of you who wears formal gear like uh, suits, and you need stuff like the accessories that go with your suit. Don't suggest that you get your suit from Nordstrom Rat, but the stuff that goes with the suit, like the shirts, ties, and socks, Nordstrom Rack, those kind of places are good places to find this kind of stuff. So Nordstrom Rack is one place that I go. Well, Nordstrom Rack is a place that you can get stuff like that normally costs more than what you had to pay for it at Nordstrom Rack. I don't even know what the official term is for these places. Kind of like a factory outlet, I guess, is what it is. So you got Nordstrom, regular Nordstrom, then you had Nordstrom Rack. So Nordstrom Rack is, I don't know what, how they describe it, but it's basically where you can get stuff that is off market for whatever reason. There's nothing wrong with it, but for whatever reason, they have discounted it. So you can get a shirt that might be normally manufactured, suggested retail price, 80 bucks, but you might be able to get the dress shirt for 40 bucks. So again, if you wear suits, I often, if I see a Nordstrom Rack, I will go in just to see if I can find something. Because usually you got to just find these diamonds in the rough. Now, if you just need to get a shirt and you don't want to look around for a diamond in the rough, go to regular Nordstrom and just pay regular price, which I do at times as well. I get the suits. I'll get them from the department store or from a suit place. But there's dress shirts, 
you can find steels in a Nordstrom rack. Ties, socks, those are diamond dozen. You can find those in those places as well. So anyway, I was in a Nordstrom rack looking to see if I could find a steel. And I did find some steels. I found a couple of dress shirts that I needed. And I'm standing in line. The line was very long. So this was in December. So this is holiday season. So the line's really long. But the line was moving very quickly. And they have four registers working at the front of the store. And as I'm getting closer in line, I noticed that of the four clerks at the register, two of them were female and the other two were males. But these were males posing as women. So in other words, I guess you would call these people transsexuals, I suppose. But they were clearly men. It was obvious that they were men, but they had all the everything about them said female. So they had either wigs or extensions for hair. They had lipstick on. They had mascara. They had the person who checked me out was one of these men dressed as a woman. And he had like the French tip nails. Like it was like the, the fake nails. Well, of course they were fake nails, but like the real long pointy nails. Yeah, those. He had some a jewelry on that was female. Everything about him, they even had breasts. I don't know how, don't ask me. But everything about them said female, except for the fact that they had very pronounced Adam's apples, that they had stubble on their face from like where the beard normally would be. And they had deep voices and all their facial features look very male. So these are like, Males who haven't, I guess they haven't taken any estrogen yet because there was nothing about their features that said female except the breasts. And I don't know how they got those. And the whole thing was the reason why I'm talking about this, the reason why I was even thinking about it was I was in a store by myself and these people, they didn't do anything wrong. Okay. And by the way, they are men. They are not women. They're men. And I was thinking to myself, what my son had been with me when I was in a store there. I would have had to explain to him because if he had been old enough to see what I saw. Now, right now, he's too young to have even registered what was happening. But when he's old enough to speak and he's old enough to look at people and say, that's a woman, that's a man. And he sees this. He's going to say, wait a minute. A bunch of, he would be confused because a bunch of things about this person was obviously male. But the way he was presenting himself was female. So my son may have asked the question like, Dad, what was that? Is that a man or a woman? Maybe you would have asked the person themselves, are you a man or are you a woman? And I would have had to answer some questions and it would have led to probably a long conversation. At some point, this is going to happen because my son is going to run into these people and he's going to ask me some questions. I'm going to have to answer them. And it got me to thinking about this whole situation because I would venture to guess that the employees at Nordstrom probably referred to these two individuals as women, as females, even though they were clearly, again, males. And I would have had to explain to my son uh, what he had just saw, why they are doing it, that no, these are not men. I mean, no, these are not women. They are men. And it got me thinking about what I'm going to share here today and how we, all of us, can no longer be lazy and expect that the world that we have traditionally looked to or the people we've traditionally looked to as authorities, we can't leave it to them to explain things plainly to us anymore because these days people are playing around with what's true and what's not true and reckless fashion. And because of this, we can't do things the way that we used to do them. In other words, we can't be lazy and expect other people to fill in the gaps. We got to fill in the gaps ourselves. I touched on this in episode 2175, the relentless attack on truth. I also talked about it a little bit and from a different angle in episode 2775, Deion Sanders and the death of truth telling, where I was using Deion as a proxy really for the bigger point that I was trying to make. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, go ahead and listen to them because I have gone in detail on that. Also, episode 2379, Truth is Truth and Bullshit is Bullshit. That's the title of the episode. Episode number 2280, The Difference Between Your Truth and The Truth. So there's a few that can get you started in addition to what you're about to hear right now. Point number one, 
topic once again today is you can no longer, we, all of us can no longer afford to be lazy. Number one, gender. Let's talk about why you can no longer be lazy about gender. I think most of you who are listening to this already understand this. No matter where you fall on the spectrum of your beliefs about gender and sex, whether you're calling it a social construct or whatever scientist you have listened to or heard, or if you just have your beliefs based in religion, or you just have your ideas and positions based in just what you think, you can't be lazy about gender anymore because everybody's trying to prove a point and push an idea across. And it used to be something that we generally accepted, but now you got to argue for this thing that used to be generally accepted. Here's where I stand. And let's just say that there are two genders. There's male and female. There are two genders, male and female. I don't want to hear shit about any spectrums, about social constructs, about what scientists you heard or read. Male and female were created by God. God created male. He created man, which we generally refer to when we're talking about males. And man means humans, but he created man as a male. And then he created a female from the male. But he created a female to be a helpmate to the man. There's a male. There's a female. That's it. Man, woman. I was talking to someone last week briefly, and I'm going to do an episode going deeper into this conversation that I'm referencing right here, this brief conversation that I had. I'm going to do an episode talking about what this conversation was, but not today, where this person declared that gender was a social construct. He was speaking from a quote unquote scientific background. We're going to talk a little bit more about science in this episode. He said gender is a social construct. That's fine by me if you believe that gender is a social construct. If you think gender is a social construct, I'm completely okay with that. Let me tell you what else is a social construct. Traffic lights. Are a social construct. All right, wearing clothes in public is a social construct. Most of the rules and laws and societal norms that we all follow every day are social constructs, all right, meaning they were created by people in order for us to better get along with each other. So calling something a social construct does not mean that it needs to be dismissed or that you can just go over top of it or you can completely ignore it in trying to make your point because you don't want to follow it anymore because you have a bigger point or bigger idea that you want to share. There are usually consequences for such decisions, such as ignoring social constructs. All right. These days you have teachers in schools who are themselves dismissing this social construct of male and female, and there only being two genders and teaching your kids that they could and maybe even should do the same. You got teachers doing this. And you notice how far it's going when We are not only asked to accept and tolerate the presence of these confused weirdos, like these two men working at the register at Nordstrom Rack, who probably call themselves females and have allies who call them females and co-workers at Nordstrom who have no choice but to refer to them as females. They would be probably accused of misgendering their co-workers if they were to refer to them as men and probably get subsequently fired. But now, not only do you have to tolerate and accept that these people are out there, but now they're asking you to celebrate and maybe even participate. See, this is what happens. And there's a process here, folks. First step is tolerate. Second step is celebrate. And this is why we have things like Pride Month. There's a whole month where you have to celebrate or you're suggested to or asked to celebrate the fact that you have these people. And then you got participation. Now, this is why they're focusing on the kids. They're focusing on the kids. Because they want to get you involved in this because it's be hard to get somebody who's 35 years old to sell them on it. But it's much easier to sell someone who is three years old on this because their brains are still forming. Someone's 35. If they have already decided they're not getting involved, they're not getting involved. Now, are there 35 year olds who are open to this and suggested to it? Of course, there are probably these two 
guys who are working at Nordstrom that probably are presenting themselves as women to amongst them. But now what they're doing is, again, they're trying to recruit participants and they're starting with the kids, which means you can't be so lazy, parents, as to leave it to your teachers, your kids' teachers to teach them what it is you got to teach them. And you better be careful of what teachers you're leaving your kids in front of because they may be teaching your kids stuff that you don't know they're teaching. So you better be, again, not lazy anymore and very vigilant about what's happening in the places that you're leaving your kids because you may not know and they may not tell you. And you know that there are some places, some jurisdictions where teachers are expressly allowed to hide it from the parents if a child has decided that they want to switch genders. So this is really happening in, in certain states and certain jurisdictions. Again, this is a thing where a teacher is legally allowed that if you're a 12 year old son, for example, wants to not be a boy anymore, he wants to be a girl, but he wants to hide it from his parents because the parents would not approve of this and would have a big problem with it. The boy goes to, lives his home life as a boy, goes to school, changes into being a girl while at school, gets she, her pronouns while at school, puts a wig on, maybe does all the girl stuff. Then when it's time to go home, switches back to being a boy so they can continue to hide it from you. And the teacher is legally allowed to not tell you that that's happening. Is this a thing? Yes, it is a thing. Is this happening right now? Yes, this is happening right now. And depending on where you live, you should probably figure out what the laws are if you have kids, because this might be happening to your kid and you might be the one that doesn't know about it. So again, when it comes to gender, you cannot leave it to society to teach this to your kids anymore. This is your job now. It used to be you could send them to school and the teachers would help your kids figure it out. Now is your job. That work has gone from being on them to being on you. Yes, even if you send your kids to school, even if you're paying taxes, which pays the school, you got to do work now that you didn't used to have to do. As I said, what's today's topic? You can no longer afford to be lazy. Have you ever wondered why so many people have big goals and big dreams for themselves and they work hard every single day, yet they never reach their goals? You ever wondered about that? I have. And I found out the reason why this happens is because most people never ask themselves a key third question, which is, who do I need to be while I'm doing what I'm doing so that I can have what I want to have? You see, if you never fix your mindset and the way that you're thinking about a situation and the way you think about yourself and the way you see yourself in the mirror, then it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what you want. You will never get there because you simply have an inaccurate formula. I wrote the book called The Mirror of Motivation, which addresses this first question. Who do I need to be? And when you answer that question, then when you do what you need to do, it will produce the outcomes that you have and what you want to have. If that sounds like it might be the missing link in your process, and let me let you know, it is the missing link in your process. Go to mirrorofmotivation.com. All you do is cover the shipping, and I'm going to give you a free copy of that book physically mailed to your doorstep. Again, mirrorofmotivation.com. So you can be who you need to be, then do what you need to do, and then you're going to have what you want to have in your life. Mirrorofmotivation.com. Point number two. Today's topic, once again, you can't afford to be lazy. Number two, news and journalism. Now, I've done several episodes on this subject, on why we can no longer trust the news. I told you in episode 1474, stop watching the news. I told you that journalism is dead in episode number 2016. I told you journalism was dying in episode 2016. I've talked more about it on other subjects. I'm going to tell you about it again today. How many people would have been journalists 20 years ago who are now simply public relations workers for whatever side they support? Almost all of them. Most people who call themselves journalists these days are not actual journalists. They are public relations workers 
for whatever ideology or side or point or company that they either work for or support or they have chosen to believe in. That's what they are. They're doing public relations for the side that they are on ideologically or idea wise or belief wise. You see, here's what you got to understand. The job of a journalist is the job of a journalist is to get to the truth. That's the job of a journalist. A reporter is a person who tells you what happened. So you turn on the news, the reporter just says this happened. There was a hurricane. There was a car accident. This happened in the government. They just tell you what happened. A journalist, a journalist's job is to dig into what happened and find out why it happened and then explain to you why it happened. Now, can they mix some of their opinion into it? Yes, but their opinion is aided by the research that they have done to find out why it happened. Their job is to get to the truth. That's the literal job of a journalist is to find out the truth of a situation, regardless of what that truth may be and regardless of where that truth may lead. Journalism is a tough job when it's done the right way, because a true journalist does is they ask the questions that people don't want asked. That's what makes someone a true journalist. When you're asking questions that people don't want to answer, when you're digging into stuff that people don't want you to dig into, when any entity says this is the official story, this is what happened, don't ask us anything else. And you actually keep asking questions and you start trying to figure out what really happened as opposed to what the official quote unquote story is. That's when you're doing journalism. Let me ask you a question. How many journalists do you know of these days? How many people are actually doing that? That's not happening these days. Here's what's happening with journalism these days. A journalist, and I'm being gracious by using that term, a journalist, they have an idea of their own. They have their own opinion. They have their own perspective. And they work for a company that has an opinion, a perspective, and a view for whatever reason. And that journalist knows, hey, I better stick to the script of what the opinion is supposed to be, given this company that I work for, these people who cut my check. I can't afford to actually get to the truth because the truth may go against the grain of what my company that pays me wants to put out there. And if I was to get to that truth, I'd probably end up losing my job. And therefore, a bunch of journalists are no longer doing journalism. So it's some of them are victims of the circumstance. In that case, what I just described, the victims of the circumstance, they don't have means to go and get that same paycheck anywhere else in doing real journalism. And maybe they don't have other skills, or at least they don't think they do, to do anything other than what they're doing now. So they have no choice but to do what the company says. And the company says, hey, you're going to support the LGBTQ movement because you work at ESPN and you can't say anything against it lest you lose this check. And that person has no other way to replace that check. Maybe they just got to do what they got to do. So some journalists are doing this because they have no plan B and they got to do what the boss says. I understand them. Doesn't mean I agree with it, but I understand. There are other journalists, on the other hand, who could tell you the truth if they wanted to, but they choose not to. And the reason they choose not to is because they personally are bought into a certain perspective and a certain view. And they are going to support that perspective review because they are supporting their own ideas, now, regardless of what they do professionally. They're mixing in their personal ideas and views and opinions with whatever truth they're supposed to be out there finding. And this is why we can't trust journalists anymore. We don't have true journalism or much of it left anymore because big companies are not supporting true journalism and the people who could do journalism. Let's keep it real. These people are humans as well. Right? They don't want a lot of them don't want to deal with the backlash. They don't want to deal with the backlash that could come from them exposing a truth that upsets people. And a lot of human beings are not critical thinkers. So they are upset by truths that go against the grain of what they have chosen to believe. This is the reason why journalism is dead or is very close to it. This is the journalist's true job is to get to the truth of a situation. OK. And a journalist by nature is a skeptic. And you're going to notice if you listen to the two part series I did on critical thinking, that was episode number 1826 and 1827. 
a lot of the common traits of good journalism align with the common traits of critical thinking. Critical thinker is a natural skeptic. They question everything. They accept nothing at face value. Critical thinker does not accept the official story of anything. They may come to accept it, but they don't accept it just because it was said by a credible source or a known source or some official source. Just because such and such said it does not mean I'm going to accept it. Critical thinkers think this way naturally. They don't accept anything at face value, regardless of where it came from and regardless of what it is. And that's why there's so few critical thinkers, because most people think more emotionally than logically. Critical thinking is extremely logical. Critical thinkers also will ask more questions than everybody else has. They are always asking questions. Again, it's not that they don't believe what you said, but they want to know why you believe it, how you came to that conclusion. And they want to be sure that you really know what you're saying, as opposed to you just saying something because you're trying to force an idea on the people and it's not actually backed up by anything real. So I'm the type of person who somebody tells me that they know something I'm going to dig into. I'm going to pick into their brains and find out how and why they know the thing. Not just that. I don't care that you know. I want to know how you know it. So when someone asserts something to me and I question you about it, it's not that I don't believe you. Is that I want to know how you know what you know. And the more questions that I ask, if a person truly knows what they know, they will happily answer the questions that a critical thinker is asking. Now, if a person doesn't truly know, they often will get frustrated or they will either stop answering or they may push back and attack against the critical thinker who is asking questions or do something if they're in a position of authority to silence the critical thinker from even asking questions. And again, this is how journalism dies, because when a true journalist comes into the room and they start asking questions, someone who has enough leverage may try to put the kibosh on that journalist asking those questions. So I like, get this person fired. Don't let them in the room anymore. Remove their press pass so they can't come here anymore. Don't answer their questions. They come in the room, don't answer any questions that they ask. All these things happen. And this is why journalism is dying, because people are trying to push their ideas and beliefs rather than get to the truth. And one of the reasons that this is happening is because we just have a weaker society. Our society has been weakened. We used to be a society who was, we liked the truth. Even when the truth made us uncomfortable, we appreciated the truth because we were a tough society. These days, we are extremely soft society and soft minded people don't like hearing truths because truths are inconvenient. So they rather hear a lie that makes them feel good than a truth that will make you uncomfortable. And the softness of our society is reflected in the fact that we have so few critical thinkers and we have so little journalism taking place. I went to all that tangent to emphasize my second point here is that the news and the journalism industries, we no longer trust them. Because they are no longer even mandated to look for the truth, let alone are they giving it to us. Even if they know it, they ain't telling us. We get very little truth these days, which means we can't trust them because that's what they're supposed to do. They're not doing it. Many journalists' truths are tainted, again, based on the side that they are leaning towards. Now, have journalists always had a leaning? Have journalists always had a side? Yes, because journalists have always been humans and humans have opinions. Every human has an opinion. So even back in the day, in the heyday of journalism, those journalists had personal opinions as well. But here's the difference. Back in the day, you couldn't tell what side a journalist was on based on the work that they did. You couldn't tell if they were Democrat or Republican. You couldn't tell where they leaned on a certain topic personally because their journalism was based on being straight up and down and giving you the truth regardless of what it was. Even if that truth went against what they originally thought was true, they still gave it to you. That doesn't happen anymore. The journalist was to dig into anything and they find out that the truth is different than what they thought was true. They just won't put the story out. They'll come up with something else to put up. You can't trust the journalists anymore. And most of them are not journalists. They're journalists in name only. So we call them Genos, J-I-N-O, journalists in name only. 
That's what most journalists are these days. They're not really journalists. Now, there are some journalists out there who you already know what direction they're going to go before you even read what they wrote. Uh, any of you know anyone like that? They put an, an article out or a subject out or a topic. You already got a pretty good idea what direction they're going to go and why they're saying it even before they say it. A true journalist, one who is true to the profession, you can't guess where they're going with the subject until they say what they have to say. How many people do you read or listen to who fit that description? Even someone like myself. Now, if I come and talk about a subject, if you heard me talk about it before, you may have an idea what I'm going to say. So when I say this episode is called You Can't Afford to Be Lazy Anymore, then I say news and journalism. If you heard me talk about it before, you may know that I'm going to trash the news industry and the journalism industry because I've done it in the past. However, you may not understand why I'm going to do it if you haven't heard me say it before. If you can predict what somebody's going to say before they say it, they're not doing journalism. Doesn't mean they're bad, but they're not doing journalism. Journalism is just going to give you the truth, which you probably didn't know. And that's why the journalists exist to get to the truth. And these days, it's not about the truth anymore. It's about who can, with a louder megaphone, just push their point across. That's really what it's about these days. Do you know what the number one key is for you to advance and get to a higher level from where you are right now? It is not for you to work harder, wake up earlier, or go to sleep later. No, it is for you to get the right insight. In other words, to ask yourself the right questions. These questions are usually questions that you don't have the answer to. But dealing with those questions opens the door for you getting to that next level that you want to reach. How do you get help with this? By getting coaching, by getting around other people who can see things that you don't see, who have perceptions and insights that you don't have. This is why coaching is as valuable as it is. And this is why higher level performers always invest in coaching. The best way you can do that from here is to go to work on your game university.com. That is the only place I offer coaching. The only place I work with anyone directly. If you just go to work on your game university.com, you can see all your options for getting involved with us and engaging and having someone coaching you so that you can take yourself to that next level again through insight, not just through effort. Again, it's work on your game university.com. Point number three, today's topic, once again, is you can no longer afford to be lazy. Education. The education industry. Now, the gender stuff is part of this, but education as a whole gets its own point because it's bigger than just gender. Educational system we have in America was designed for one reason. Do you know what that reason was? System we have in America was designed to produce more factory workers back in the days of the Industrial Revolution because we had so much industry going on, manual labor, hand-to-hand labor going on in America. We needed as many workers as possible. So the powers that be put their heads together and said, how can we start training people to be ready to go into the factories and work by the time they're of age for work? And the American educational system was created as we currently know it. It was created to produce people ready to go into a factory and work, show up, do what we say, follow all the instructions. When we tell you to go home, clock out and go home, collect a check every week. That was the system. That is what the educational system is based on. Today's educational system is based on this framework. System has not changed much, even though we send a lot fewer people into factories these days. Actually, we do send people into factories, but instead of it being manual labor factories, you know what kind of factories we're in now? Thought factories. Now the factories people go in are factories of thinking, not factories of manual labor. School system teaches you what to think about certain things, and then they send you into the workforce to further enforce and live out the thoughts that you have been taught in school. That's what the school system is designed to do. Now, I'm going to do something that I rarely do here on the show. I'm going to go against what the dictionary tells you. I'm going to give you a dictionary definition of education. Okay, then I'm going to give you the etymology of the word education, just to show you how far gone we are. Dictionary definition of education is the process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, especially at a school or university. Okay, that's the definition of the word. Let me say it again. 
the process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, especially at a school or university. Now, let me give you the etymology of the word education. Etymology simply means the root of a word, where it comes from. How did this word come to be? What are the origins of a word? That's etymology. Etymology of the word education comes from the Latin educere, interpreted as revealing or exposing to the outside, composed of the prefix ex, which means indicating to take out or to externalize, and then ducere, which means to conduce, close quote. So the definition of education from the dictionary says giving or receiving instruction, like at school or university. Okay, you got that? Hold that in your head. The root of the word etymology, the origin of the word, comes from a Latin word that means to take out and to conduce. So if you're not getting the juxtaposition between these two things, I will make it black and white for you. These are nearly opposites. The dictionary definition of education says to give systematic instruction. The etymology of education is to pull out and conduce the pulling out and the exposing, the revelation of information, not the giving information, but to expose and pull out, to conduce the externalizing of information. These are opposites. And I'm not one to go against the dictionary, but this is one area in which I will. I got a whole episode told you the dictionary still matters. This is one where I'm going to challenge the dictionary. We have turned the concept of education into producing robots and zombies who simply absorb what other people have told you to think and believe. That's not what education even means. Education is about revealing and exposing what is already there and a person, this being usually your teacher or professor, guiding the process. That's what education is supposed to be. Exposing what's already there with someone guiding your process, not someone systematically giving you information that you're supposed to retain and then regurgitate on the test. Teacher's job is not to tell you what to think, it is to show you how to think. And then with that ability, you learn to think for yourself and you can reveal to yourself the information that is already there in front of you. That's what I aim to do here on this show. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'll tell you what I think, but I'm always clear. And if I haven't been clear, let me be clear right here. I do not need you to accept my way of thinking. I will tell you how I think and I'll explain why I think that way. You are free to think whatever way you want. This is what education is. Education is about exposing things, showing people things. And this is why I tell you that my superpower as a professional is taking a concept that some may see as complex and breaking it down in such a way that anyone can understand. And then from there, you can draw your own conclusions based on the information that you now understand. Because I just took a complex subject and made it simple. Now you can do whatever you want with it. That is my job. That's literally what I do. Teacher's job is not to tell you what to think. And here on this show, I aim to show you how to think by demonstrating how I think, how I break things down. And again, leaving it to you to draw your own conclusions. That's why I often tell you to check my references. All right, challenge me on any topic that you wish, anything you hear me say. Think about these things for yourself and draw your own conclusions and develop your own theories. All right, you don't have to take my word for anything I say here on the show. That is never my aim for you to take my word. I will tell you my word, but you don't have to take my word. If you have a different word, okay, tell me where you got it from. How'd you get it? What was your thought process? I'm a critical thinker. I want to know. Someone has an opinion that is any opinion. It doesn't have to be the same. If you have an opinion that's the same as mine, I also want to know how you got it. I want to know how you came about your way of thinking. Because sometimes two people can end up in the same place, but for different reasons. And if you have a different opinion of mine, I also want to know how'd you come up with it? And often critical thinkers, when you ask someone how they came up with an opinion, 
if it's some bullshit, meaning they just accepted what somebody else told them, they have no way of defending it. They will either give you the same talking points that they could have copy pasted from the internet, or they will get annoyed with you for whatever reason in some way because you're questioning. That's how you know you're talking to someone who's not a critical thinker who hasn't come up with their own ideas. Someone who has crafted their own ideas through their own independent thinking has no problem reflecting to you how they came about that conclusion. If they have a problem reflecting to you how they came about a certain conclusion, it's usually because they haven't done any thinking of their own. Somebody gave them that idea, they accepted it, and now they don't have a way of defending it because they never thought about it in the first place. So you, person who's listening to this, you can no longer depend on educational system to inform you. And I, when I'm on X, also formerly known as Twitter, I've told you all about this. I get in a lot of conversations on this app, going back and forth with people who I don't know, but I'm willing to engage with them because we disagree on certain points. I just want to find out how they're thinking. I'm not trying to change their minds. That's never the aim. You'll never change somebody's mind going back and forth with them in a, a social media app. But I engage with them because I'm trying to pull out of them where they get their conclusions from. Why are they thinking what they're thinking? And what I often find is an interesting thing that I find is that there are people who will often defer to their educational background. Like, oh, well, people will say I got a college degree or I have this kind of education or I only believe information coming from people who are certified experts, meaning they have studied a topic, they've gone to school on a topic, they have a PhD or, or whatever, a master's degree on a certain topic. And I don't subscribe to that ideology. I don't subscribe to that way of thinking. I do not subscribe to you having a degree because you have studied a topic means that whatever you say about that topic is more credible than someone who doesn't have a degree on the topic. I don't believe that. I believe that your degree may mean you will get listened to first. You may get listened to more than others because of your degree. The credibility will draw an audience, but it doesn't mean that what you say is necessarily true just because you have the degree. What you say is true because you are able to show why it's true. The point itself can stand on its own two feet. If you ever had to defend your point by saying, I have this background or I've done this or I've done that, then that means your point's not strong enough. I have a background as a professional athlete. If I make a point about professional sports or about sports in general and you disagree and I defend my point by saying, well, I'm a professional athlete. So and you're not. So that means I'm right and you're wrong. That's an inaccurate formula. That's inaccurate. It's a logical fallacy. Appeal to authority, logical fallacy. I'm saying you should listen to me just because I have more authority than you. Doesn't mean you should listen to me. Now, that may mean that I know some things that you don't know sometimes, but it doesn't mean that any point that I make is necessarily true, even on the subject in which I'm in authority. Also, what do you do when two people have equal amounts of authority disagree on a subject? How do you decide then? You see, this is what critical thinkers need to consider. If two doctors have 20 years experience each in the same field of science and they disagree on a point, which one do you listen to? You see, if all you do is go off of who has more experience or who has more authority, now you're stuck. You got to be able to think for yourself. And that's what I'm trying to explain through this episode here. I'm an entrepreneur, a full-time entrepreneur. If you disagree with me on a point about entrepreneurship, even if I have more experience than you in entrepreneurship, doesn't necessarily mean that my point's right. I will tell you about my point's right based on me backing up the point. I will give you reasons why my point is correct. And if I believe your point's wrong, I'll tell you why your point's wrong. The fact that maybe you're not an entrepreneur, you're not a seasoned, you don't have as much experience or as much of a resume doesn't necessarily make you wrong. But the fact that you don't have the experience may mean you shouldn't be asserting anything that you don't actually know to be true because you don't have the experience. But your point could be solid. It could be. My first product that I ever created was a hoop handbook, basketball training program for ballplayers, up and coming ballplayers. The idea for the product came from a random commentator on YouTube who was probably some 14 year old kid living in his parents' house trying to make the high school basketball team. But his idea was solid. 
Should I have dismissed him because he wasn't an entrepreneur, because he wasn't a pro basketball player like me, because he didn't have an audience on the internet like I had? Had I done that, who knows? We might not even be here right now. So as a critical thinker, understand that just because someone has a certain position or a certain authority, and again, I see this a lot these days with people talking about their degrees or where they went to school or they got this advanced degree or a regular degree. I have a degree, but you never hear me talk about my degree. How often do I tell you hey, I got a college degree? So you should listen to me. When I tell you I got a college degree, usually it's to make a joke about it. <laughs> I got a college degree and they didn't teach me shit about what I do now as an entrepreneur. Nothing. Not one thing do I do in business today that came from my college degree, my business degree that I got from Penn State University. Actually, one thing. I do have to give it credit for one thing. I took an internship class that we had to take before we did our actual internships, where our internship teacher told us that after your job interview, you should leave a follow-up message with your whoever interviewed you, thanking them for the opportunity for the interview. It just is a follow-up. And hopefully that you know, puts it in their mind and you were thinking about it. And I still use that to this day, that when I do business with another person, I always follow up with them and just thank them, acknowledge the fact that they did business with us or gave us the opportunity, whatever it may be. I still use that one. So that's one thing that I got from college. But other than that, nothing that I do today that I learned in college. And I have a degree. So my degree does not give me credibility. What I go out here and do every day is what gives me credibility. Not the fact that I got a 20-year resume. It is part of my credibility. Actually, the word credibility is the wrong word that I'm using here. My credibility is, yes, the degree and the awards and the books and whatever else you can Google about me, all that's part of my credibility. But if I make a point, the fact that I have credibility does not mean that you should just accept my point on face value just because I said it. You should accept my point because I can back it up and explain to you why it's correct. And if I can't back up and explain why my point's correct, I instead try to use my credibility as a shield for my point, then a critical thinker's antenna should go up. You should notice that. And I point this out on people all the time and they don't like it. <laughs> I get in back and forth with people on X and tell them like, Yo, just because you got a degree studying a subject doesn't mean whatever you say on a subject is true. But they want to believe that. And this is often academics, career students, career college students who their entire ego is wrapped up in the fact that they have whatever degree and they got to make it matter every conversation that they're in. But don't worry. I got a whole episode coming on those people very soon. But let me recap this episode, which is you can no longer afford to be lazy. Number one, and gender. Gender. There are two genders, male and female. God created them. I don't care about any spectrums. I don't care what science you read and how you want to split hairs on that. God created two genders, male and female. God did not create a spectrum. God did not create a social construct. He created two genders, male and female. And you all better be careful if you have kids because there are people in those schools teaching your kids something other than that, and you don't want them confused. So you better do your job. Number two, news and journalism. Now, we do not, no longer have journalism because there are very few people out there critically thinking and looking to get to the truth. There are people out there with the ability to critical think and the ability to get to the truth, but they are no longer using that ability because, again, who they work for or what side they decided to take, they allowed their emotions to trump their logic. Number three, education. You can no longer depend on the educational system to prepare you for what's going to happen in the real world, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. Because the educational system is designed to produce factory workers. It's designed to produce drones. People who show up, do what you're told, go home and come back the next day, do the same thing. Definition of education is to receive or give systematic instruction. The etymology of education is to deduce, to pull out from, to reveal or to expose. They are in spirit. They are opposites. And this is how far gone we are when it comes to education. Education is about revealing what is already out there and teaching people to think for themselves, not to give people information and tell them what's going on. You hear a lot of people saying you need to educate yourself. 
that's not educate yourself. Mean, what they mean is you need to go get some information like the one that I already have decided to agree with. No, that is not what education is. Education is about revealing, learning how to think, not what to think. And often when people disagree on a subject, they'll say to another person, oh, well, you're not that educated. You're not that smart. You don't know things. You're dumb. You're ignorant. You're stupid because you don't have the same information that I have. That's not how education works. Education is about a revelation of what already exists, not putting in or even going and getting something that someone else has already decided to agree with. But again, I got a whole conversation coming on that subject. When is that going to be? Not yet. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make this into a two-part series because I got more points I want to share in tomorrow's part. More that I didn't talk about on this subject is you can no longer afford to be lazy. So we'll get to that tomorrow. Make sure you're in my Work On Your Game University. That is the place where you can be coached by me directly. The only way to get coached by me directly, that is at workonyourgameuniversity.com. And text community 305-384-6894. You get the daily motivation and Monday motivation if and when they come out or when they come out. And you'll have your options as soon as you join. If you don't get immediate response, we're still working on fixing it and getting it working the way it's supposed to. But it will be back soon. So text me. Work on your game. Dre all day. While you are here, don't forget to text me so you can be part of my texting community where you can ask me questions. You can share challenges with me. You are messaging me directly. You can get a direct response from me because I do read and reply to my messages. My number again, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Make sure you text me because you never know when I'm going to send a message that could be the one thing you need to hear, the one thing you need to do, the one insight you need to get that could change your life. Make sure you message me. 305-384-6894. Question. Are you looking for a health and wellness upgrade that's as easy as sipping your morning coffee? Or if you're like me, you don't even drink coffee? Meet AG1, the superhero of all-in-one supplements. With just one scoop a day, you'll experience a powerhouse blend of 75 essential nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that will have you feeling like you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. You can feel like it, though. You don't even have to try it. AG1 is your personal health sidekick packed with prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes to support optimal gut health. Now, what exactly does all that mean? That means you can say goodbye to those pesky nutrient gaps that you have in your system right now, and you probably don't even know it, and say hello to a vitality boost that will make you feel like you have superhuman strength. And this is all natural, clean stuff. But wait, there's more. When you take the leap and join the AG1 revolution right now, you'll unlock an incredible offer. You will enjoy a free one-year supply of vitamin D, which is a vital nutrient for a strong immune system and strong bones with your first order. Plus, you're going to receive five free AG1 travel packs, which are perfect for staying on top of your health routine wherever life takes you. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, you're tired of having to pack eight pills and nine different supplements every time you go somewhere or every time you wake up in the morning you got to take all these different pills you don't even know what they are you can't remember what's what you don't even know what the ingredients are on these things say goodbye to all of that and try ag1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first order go to drinkag1.com work on your game that's drinkag1.com work on your game check it out and start your journey to a healthier happier you. Your body will thank you for joining the AG1 Super Squad. You know what is the biggest thing that separates the high level performers from everyone else out there? It is not talent. It is not hard work. It is not resources. It is not knowledge. It is not skill. It is the fact that they have a process and a strategy for how to show up and give their best effort 
even on the days when they don't feel like being at work. Has any of you ever had one of those days? Has any of you have one of those days right now? That day is called the third day. We put a label on it and we describe exactly what it is in my new book called The Third Day, The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. In this book, I will not only describe to you what the third day is, but I will help you create a formula for yourself for you to show up and give your best effort, even on those days when you don't even feel like going to work. In that book, you're going to become a professional and no longer be an amateur. I'll give you a free copy of it. As a matter of fact, all you have to do is cover the shipping. Just go to thirddaybook.com. Again, thirddaybook.com.